Welcome to Career Switching Coders. I'm Rob and I'm your host, and in this podcast, we will be talking to people who have career switched into software development. We'll be talking to people from all different backgrounds and discussing their career paths to their first role as a developer and hearing about any insights they've gleaned along the way. In this episode, we'll be talking to Ella Schofield, who's got a particularly interesting background. After dropping out of school of 14, she's had an interesting path uh, to eventually go to a boot camp in her late 20s and then become a software developer in 2014. We'll be hearing more about Ella's journey and uh, some interesting topics around her current role, which is half software developer, half scrum master. Hope you enjoy. Okay, welcome to the podcast. Uh, my name is Rob and I'm your host for today. And I'm joined by Ella Schofield today, who will be talking a little bit about her background and her career switch into software development. Um, I'll pass it over to Ella if you would like to introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Ella. Um, I'm a software developer slash scrum master at Bloom and Wild. Okay, perfect. And just roughly, what do Bloom and Wild do? Uh, so Bloom and Wild deliver flowers. Uh, they kind of sell is that they have a special box that will fit for your letterbox. Um, so if you decide to send flowers to your mum and, uh, you know, you don't want to tell her, oh, mum, can you wait in? Because it will kind of ruin the surprise. But equally, you don't want them to end up going back to the post depot because then they might go a bit bad. So they go through the letterbox, your mum arrives home and is like, oh, wow, isn't Rob such a great son? Like, I've got some lovely flowers. Yeah, I've actually used them I before I'd heard anything about them. Uh, so I'm a happy customer. <laughs> um, so fantastic. So you're working at Bloom and Wild um, at the moment. And uh, obviously, you have career switched, which is why you're on the podcast. And I'm interested in talking to you. Uh, we have a bit of a shared background in that we both went to Makers Academy, uh, which is a, a 12-week intensive boot camp. Um, that mainly focus on Ruby on Rails um, and uh, full stack software development. Um, could you give us a bit of an insight into your background before going to Makers? Sure. How how far back are we going? <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned earlier about um, education, and perhaps you could give us a quick like uh, whistle stop tour of what happened uh, from there till the point that you went. I'm going to do sure. going to do coding. So we'll go we'll go all the way back to like. 14-ish I suppose then um so yeah so traditional education was a bit of a it was a bit rocky for me I suppose um it didn't really fit so well I kind of opted out at about 13 and was spending most of my time working up at the stables uh, playing with horses um and so yeah I dropped out of school at 14 didn't have any GCSEs uh went to work with forces full time then I went off to Italy to do some ski seasons came back started working in nightclubs um and then did my I got in I did an access course um in media communications uh that was when I was 19 got into goldsmiths and did uh uh media communications degree um finished that and then started work at DNAD which stands for Design and Art Direction and they're a um, uh, charity uh, working in the creative commercial space um, and I was working on the education program so uh, running events to help get creative graduates into employment so the main project being a, a big annual exhibition where universities from across the UK would 
uh, sent their top students to go and display their work and we'd set up a whole program of uh, workshops and talks and events alongside it um, so that they could get a taste for industry. Um, I was there for three and a half, four years and hit a bit of a glass ceiling, covered someone's maternity and because it's a very annual cycle the first time around doing that I was like wow this is awesome I'm learning so much and then the second time it's like okay yeah this is kind of all right it's the same thing again and when it was going into the third year I was like I cannot do this again I'm gonna lose my shit um I hope I'm allowed to swear you are <laughs> <laughs> we'll bleep it afterwards <laughs> so I thought uh, so in my degree we I specialized in interactive media so I'd done a bit of coding then but it was in Dreamweaver and Flash um, which are not what's <laughs> used these days um, but I knew I found it uh, satisfying and enjoying so enjoy it I enjoyed it so I did a two-day um, course at General Assembly uh, programming for non-programmers so just dip my toe in the water see if I still liked it um, and then I did a week-long Arduino course, which was pretty cool, uh, but I got into Makers Academy. Just to mention, we have a shared uh, history as, as well. I did the ski season. I was in uh, France for um, in the Port of Soleil in Morzine. It was it's a probably, fun time. Probably the best five months <laughs> I've had in my life. If anyone has that opportunity, I'd I'd recommend it. Um, mm. But cool. So you've got this really interesting background. You've done lots of different things. You've taken a very non-traditional route. Um, which is, uh, and I think it'll be interesting for for people who might be listening to this podcast. Um, a lot of people uh, don't come from a scientific background. I don't come from a, a scientific background. And um, it's quite common that people w- uh, come from all different walks of life and all different types of careers, um, but will often have had some exposure uh, to some logical thinking or programming, uh, Dreamweaver and Flash uh, in, in your in your case. <laughs> I'm not so familiar with what you'd be doing with Dream- Dreamweaver and Flash. Is there any kind of comparison that you could draw to something I might be more familiar with? So Dreamweaver was for building websites. Mm-hmm. So like kind of your front end website click and for you know menus and just pretty bog standard flash what i did with flash at university was building little games so i had going back to the horse theme i had one where you controlled a little horse as it you know went around the screen you had rosettes and poo dropping from the ceiling <laughs> and you had to avoid the poo and collect the rosettes and there was a point system and you know on the timer and that kind of thing um so that's what i use flash for <laughs> um uh, yeah i don't know what else it's yeah okay and uh you, so you've had a bit of an exposure to some programming um would it be it sounds like it might not be kind of object orientated type programming. Is it more scripting? Is yes. that the kind of okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've done some scripting, you've had some exposure to it, um, and you've reached a point where you wanted to try something different, and that has um, like flagged in your mind as something that you've enjoyed. Um, is there anything about the experience uh, you had with programming, or what was it that made you um, visit it when you were looking at trying something different? Yeah, I think I felt like I had a natural aptitude for it to a certain extent. So I felt like I was okay at it compared to other people. You know, if there's something wrong tech-wise, people would often ask me how to fix it. And within that class, I was quite good. (laughs) It's always so awkward being like picking yourself up, isn't it? And 
Um, and then also it's just the satisfaction you get when it works, right? And like with, um, I remember with that Flash game of kind of like finding snippets of code on the internet and pulling it all together and like, you know, refreshing and fiddling and t- tweaking. And then when it works, you're like, yeah, it's all come together. And it's just, you know, it's just a really good feeling. Um, was was there anything that was also an option? Did you have any other front runners in other careers that you were looking at? I could have moved sideways into kind of so I was a, my title was program manager, um, so I could have moved sideways to a different um, charity or gone agency side within um, you know ad and design agencies. I mean, they were they were also, I, at one point I got offered uh, to go and interview. Uh, ad agency in Amsterdam for a copywriting role just I think because of the way I'd written the email more than anything yeah so it's like anything you know the path so far has been wiggly and windy and I'm sure it's not over yet like there'll be more twists and turns and it's kind of who knows what the future holds and was there a reason that you chose um the what, or what was the reason that you chose coding over the sideways step why was it that you tried decided to branch out into something that was quite fresh I think it felt like I was at a time, I was kind of in my mid-twenties and it felt like, you know, if you're going to start again, then it felt like a good time to do that. I felt like having a bit of a pause and a think and learning was also really appealed to me. You know, I'd been working um, pretty much like cause all alongside university, I was uh, working at the nightclub. So, you know, from the age of 16 through to whatever, 26. So it was like, okay, probably not a bad thing to, you know, down tools or <laughs> pick up a lot more as well. Um, and, you know, pursue a path that I thought was going to have long-term positive impact. Okay. All right. Fantastic. And you you reach a point where you are looking to change your career. Um, you've tested the water, um, as you say, with the two day general assembly course. Uh, you've done an Arduino week, <laughs> uh, which uh, which is slightly different but interesting. Um, and you've uh, been accepted to the twelve week intensive boot camp um, that uh, you'll hopefully learn to become a full stack software developer. Um, what was your experience with the the boot camp? Oh, it was full on, man. <laughs> yeah, it was good, but it was super full on. Um, so it was just it was just a whirlwind experience, really. So I mean, Makers is uh, an amazing place, and it's forever chopping and changing and iterating and improving. Um, and when we did it, we were we were at the office not far from here, actually, just up the road in um, Old Street, um, and you just your brain is basically assaulted for 12 weeks <laughs> just thinking <laughs> I really hope some of this is sinking in um and yeah we I remember we did five languages in five days that was that was a tough week <laughs> like, <"What?" laughs> we didn't do that I think that must have been uh, yeah I think probably <laughs> for the best <laughs> um but it was cool and you know I made some lifelong friends and it if if you want to be equipped become equipped to take a job as a junior dev i would really recommend it as a good pathway i i would similarly uh, recommend uh, going to a boot camp i think it's a good option um i came out um feeling like if i'd 
have found you know a group of people that wanted to do that at the same time um, a lot of it I could have driven through other ways but ultimately um, the money that I put up and the pressure that it put onto me um, and the learning environment that was created by having so many kind of intelligent curious people studying the same thing uh, was kind of priceless in that sense and um, I, I think I learned more in the first two weeks than I learned in the six months that I was working part-time and teaching myself <laughs> mm-hmm. um, just by yeah. the the abundance of information going in and uh, being put into the the deep end. Um, so when people ask me, and I do get asked from time to time uh, of people who are thinking about going uh, to or going to career change, then I I, th- I think the boot camps are something that are uh, well worth um, checking out and looking into. Yeah, I'd agree. I think you you want to be doing it full time. So whether it's a boot camp or an apprenticeship or you know something, you need to be that needs to be your sole concern um, and to be fully immersed. Fully immersed is the, the phrase I was thinking of. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's uh, it's quite the experience, but it allows you to progress really quickly, I think. Um, I, <laughs> it's a wonder how much of it actually stays in and it's surprising how much of it does stick there, but you can't retain everything. So you're not trying to become a... You, I guess one of the things I learned from it was that I can't physically retain all this information in my head what I can do is I can understand the fundamentals and some of the core concepts and I can flag post myself uh, for future um, if I'm aware of things and I know where to look if I need to to find things Um, I think that was actually for me something that was quite important about learning to develop that I'm not going to be able to retain all this information and um, there is um, a point where I just need to be happy that I can find the information Hmm. Yeah, I'm becoming comfortable with not knowing everything, which yeah. <laughs> I think was difficult for me. To be honest with you, you know, you're kind of if you if you if you come from a career where you feel pretty sorted, you know what's what, and everything you know gets done and gets done properly, and then you're suddenly in this world where you're like, whoa, <laughs> there's so much to know, and you kind of you know get come to the conclusion that. It's okay, you know, there is the internet and there are other people and the answer is out there. You, just, you don't have to have it all up in your head. Mm. I think that's a common thing for people who are starting out as well, that they a little bit overwhelmed. I certainly was. And the overwhelming can put, put me off or puts people off uh, from, from continuing. And it is, I think, important to learn that you can't know everything and you're not expected to know everything. I kept seeing pictures um, of memes on the internet where people would be saying that I'm a senior dev and um, I um, use Google, I, I Google the most simplest things every day. And uh, that was that was really helpful to kind of be, be made aware of. Yeah, they still get, they still go around. Like I, I tweeted the other day, like, oh, just been trying to get a spec green for like an hour. And it wasn't because I copy and pasted it from the other, from a different <laughs> one and hadn't changed the class name. And you're just like, oh, crikey. <laughs> so it happens to everyone. Like, it's quite, yeah. <laughs> Copy and code is a um, a definite um, uh, trigger trigger for me making mistakes. <laughs> yeah, I know. We were told at Makers our our head coach at the time was so anti copy and paste, and I understand why. But I mean, time <laughs> sometimes it's just the easier option. Sometimes you're copying your own code as well because you have created something, and then you just need something to do something very similar and uh, you're copying it over and then you spend an hour debugging why um, why something is not working and exactly. it's because the class name is wrong. <laughs> exactly that, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you, you, finish, you finish Makers um, and 
you um, perhaps you could give us a, a bit of a uh, again a whistle stop tour of what you've done since Makers um, from a development point of view and what your career is mm-hmm. like. So I finished Makers and I uh, went to work at a small agency called Red Fifty Six. Um, they have two ongoing clients um, long term, so we were doing a week on one, a week on the other. Um, predominantly in the kind of uh, what do they call it now Hmm, task management something like that there's a word for it but one was a bespoke furniture manufacturer so it's all about um, they had I think three factories across um, Europe and it was about capacity management in their different workstations so upholstery design woodwork QA, QA, QC, QA, quality control, C. <laughs> QA is something else. Quality assurance, it still works. Um, uh, and uh, so that was them. And then the other one was uh, about market research. Um, so they had an app where brands would pay to set tasks for participants and um, participants would get paid to complete them. So it might be, you know, uh, Rob, we want you to talk about your caffeine intake for the week. And then every time you had a coffee, you'd take a picture of it and upload it. And you'd have various assignments that you'd complete. And they could be like photographs, videos, written. Um, so it was a kind of process management, like moving things along from start to finish, I guess. And that was really cool. It was just small. So there was... Um, me and another maker were hired at the same time and then our boss and then we had a another kind of part-time um uh, dev and then an ios and android dev as well also on a kind of part-time contractual basis so it was great because we got loads of kind of one-to-one attention um and we're really like you know felt very safe and we're able to kind of figure things out and uh develop we had a lot of input um from our boss which was amazing and then you know i think it gets to a point where i felt so comfortable in both of the code bases and you kind of thought, oh, okay, probably it's time to, you know, stretch myself a bit more, go for the next challenge. So that was about two, I think I've been there just over two years, two and a, two and a bit years. And then I went to work for another small agency, um, but this was with predominantly greenfield projects. Um, so uh, startups who'd maybe got a bit of funding and uh, wanted to create an MVP to take out get some you know, user feedback and hopefully more funding so that was cool and I worked on a couple of um, greenfield projects there which was super interesting it's always so nice to be able to use you know everything's fresh and clean and latest technology and fully tested and it's all beautiful but then again I think I started wanting a change um, so that I was there for about a year and then started at Bloom and Wild so been at Bloom Wild for almost a year now. Yeah, okay, fantastic. And um, just to look at some of the more technical um, aspects of your career, uh, what languages have you used? What frameworks are you, are you familiar Ruby with? Ruby and Rails, like straight through, pretty much. Like uh, we, at the first place, we had some, you know, just bits of JavaScript on the front end. The second place, um, we did have a, 
a project that was a React Native app, which I was about to start working on. I'd just done like two weeks of like getting my JavaScript back up to speed. And then I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, actually I'm leaving. Um, and now at Bloom and Wild, we're split. So we've got backend developers and frontend developers. So we're purely Ruby. Purely Ruby. And is the, um, is the front end are you using a templating language like Haml or what is? The... Uh, so it's Angular. Oh, okay. It's the framework and JavaScript. So you're fairly um, set. The back end is separate from the front end. It's yeah. modulized in that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we serve as an API. Okay. Perfect. Um, that's really cool. Uh, it's a nice um, architectural uh, decision. Uh, so um, and I just to give some color perhaps for for somebody who's not so familiar. That means that the um, back end and the front end literally are quite separate um, yeah. and the back end and the front end will make calls to each other to get information but they could be technically deployed and in separate um, are they deployed yeah, separately different repos yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 all right very cool um i also work in uh, ruby on rails as well at the moment it's a it's a cool language and it's a, a cool framework you've used mainly uh, ruby on rails since finishing a little bit of javascript is there any aspects of technology any um anything that you're particularly curious about at the moment so whether it's you know serverless or whether it's um, microservices has anything kind of caught your your attention or that you're you're uh, you're curious about right now i think that the curiosity is often driven by requirements so um at the moment our rails app is fairly substantial so we're looking at splitting things out i don't think there would be a kind of full microservices solution um, but certainly some parts such as labeling or tracking um you know could be removed um and to to move towards the the core rails app just being more of a kind of api center um so that's of interest at the moment. Um, we've recently switched from um, Fargate to AWS um, in terms of where we're hosting things. Um, and that's been quite cool. There's been lots of, you know, auto scaling and this and that going on, um, which is interesting. And I'd love to know more about that. Um, is that like using Kubernetes? And yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of dipping my toe into this world. It's quite yeah. complicated. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. It is. And um, also kind of a bit scary, you know, because you're like, oh, okay. Like, what happens when I have to spin up more servers for this or, like, downgrade this? I could just bring the whole thing offline. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas then you're just, you know, writing your code. I mean, still, things could go wrong, but it's a bit less feels a bit less impactful someone has to review your code you know it's a process you can just roll it back whereas when you're actually dealing with this is the production site on off <laughs> a bit more risk <laughs> so your role at the moment you are um, in fact could you give us a bit of info into your particular title because you've got quite sure. an interesting mix in, in your current yeah. position and it's like technically okay so i'm a developer slash scrum master so i was employed as a developer um and then we were kind of coming into the new year and we were looking to shuffle teams around now uh, we practice a version of scrum if you are a strict scrum follower they would say there are no versions you're even doing scrum or you're not <laughs> and you're certainly not allowed to be a dual title like you're either a scrum master or a developer you're not both uh, so it's you know it's a taste of it i suppose um 
so yeah, so I started this role in um, January uh, in the new team. And it's just about enabling the team to do the best work they can, I suppose, uh, removing impediments, doing that like servant leader thing, um, running all the ceremonies um, and, you know, hoping everyone's happy. <laughs> <laughs> so for anyone who's listening that's not familiar with uh, Scrum, um, there are two kind of competing ideologies. Um, one is waterfall, uh, which is uh, to basically take requirements for a system. If you imagine someone wants you to build a system or a website and you uh, get the information of exactly everything that you want from it, um, and then you go away, you build that website, and then you give it back to them. Um, what the common criticism of waterfall um, processes is that um, the client, after getting back the product, will often look at it and realize that it, they wanted it to do something and they just didn't put it in the requirements or uh, they thought that they would need one thing, but actually they needed it to be slightly different. So lots of change uh, requests come in and then that could be quite complex once you've already got a system up and running. Um, so Agile has been out for a long time now, um, probably a, a, a phrase you're familiar with. And um, Scrum is a part of Agile methodologies. Um, so if you were to describe Scrum just very generally, what would you say it encapsulates? So the idea is it's a framework. So it gives you the kind of, it gives you the framework to be able to practice in an Agile way. Um, and it's about iterating and improving and getting fast feedback and um, being able to adapt to change um, having the team feel empowered so that they can uh, you know suggest things and it's not just a kind of code monkey style like make this happen the whole way through my technical career we've I've been involved in some form of agile so makers uh, you know they would see themselves as an agile education platform which is called it process school <laughs> they definitely teach agile and they teach yeah they teach it as part of the curriculum um and then going into red 56 we um, bought some of that with us because we were the first like on-site employees at all of the kind of processes and practices we introduced so we had retrospectives we had one-to-ones we had stand-ups we had um not so much planning but you know, we were kind of aware of what we were aiming to achieve in that iteration. We had iterations. And then at uh, Blue Spot, it was um, more of a kind of XP style. So that's extreme programming because we were small. So we didn't have uh, like a, we didn't have all of the kind of other people. We were just purely developers. And so we had very close relationships with the clients. So they would come in weekly for a demo and we would work with them to figure out the requirements and make sure that the backlog was prioritized. And that so and then going into Bloom and Wild again, it's like a it's it's a you know version of Scrum. So all of the all of the technical places that I've been employed at have practiced some form of agile. So it just kind of feels I can't imagine working <laughs> somewhere that didn't do it like that at all. And obviously you've taken on this dual role at the moment and you're getting more exposure to the, not just development side, but also um, running and the, or being a scrum master. And um, where do you see your career potentially going given that you've had this kind of dual split in the moment? 
so yeah the career and what it means of the dual role I think it's an interesting point because uh, like we have a progression framework at work and uh, it's like scrum master isn't a role that's on there right we have kind of it's, it's, it's well done and then you have your developers your senior developers and then you have um, either like an individual contributor route or a kind of people management route and this is I'm off the I'm in uncharted waters <laughs> so which is something you know we've got reviews coming up so I've kind of been like so what does mean eh boss um so we'll see um I think it's difficult because I still enjoy coding and I think in some ways I enjoy coding more now than I did before I was doing the dual role because I have less time to do it maybe and it's not my sole purpose so when I do do it I'm really uh, kind of applied and into it and whereas before when it's all you're doing is you can get maybe a bit kind of jaded by it yeah I mean I don't. I think another big part of my role, particularly at Blooming Wild, has been about raising our tech profile. Um, so we sponsored Rails Girls um, in in back in December, um, and I'm kind of trying to get you know doing the speaking thing a bit more. Um, I help organise a meetup, LRUG, which is London Ruby User Group. Um, where, well, when I'm there, I don't really have my Bloomin' Wild hat on, but I've been getting our devs to come and speak um, and have been um, writing blog posts and um, we're hosting Code Bar as well in, 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 in a few months. So doing all that side of stuff, I really enjoy as well. So kind of seeing how what we're doing at Bloomin' Wild um, kind of fits into the wider landscape of technology and sharing what we're doing so that's kind of a bit of kind of developer advocacy I suppose so I think there's just there's so many options and I love working with people and empowering the team like I really enjoy that but I like coding too so I don't know I, th- I think we're you know Blooming World's a size where you are able to forge out your you know you can do the parts that you want to do like lots of the developers there wouldn't want to go and speak at events or do that kind of thing and that's absolutely fine you know there's a there's a pathway for everybody but as I enjoy that you know that's a part of my role and that's I think the important thing is that these uh, non-technical things that I do um, are recognized towards you know moving up the ladder and I've been uh, assured that they will be <laughs> so uh yeah we'll see <laughs> uh okay and we had a uh, start of a, a an interesting point that you raised earlier which is that um there's often a trend where people who have gone to boot camps and i might be putting words in your mouth here and um, but often people with non-traditionally uh, scientific backgrounds uh, will often move into roles that are more people-focused um, within the development world, whether that be tech leads or otherwise. Um, perhaps you could give us a bit of an insight into your thoughts behind that. Yeah, so, and I think also particularly women, I think that's the other kind of factor in there. So there's a group of us, um, we set up a little chat uh, a few months ago, and there's a group of us that all did make us around the same time, all women, and we've got this kind of little network. Um, we've got on uh, 
Google Hangouts the other day to just kind of catch up on where we're all at in our careers and, you know, what we're aiming for next. And it was really interesting because we've got, like, there's someone who's at Pivotal, there's someone who's at the FT, there's someone who's at Unruly, um, there was me, there's someone at Monzo. And we're all kind of, you know, some people are just on the individual contributor route and they're really happy and they just want to continue like developing their technical skills but at least half of us were either um, like me in my scrum master role or there was a someone else who was looking to go into a tech lead role and there was um uh, other people who were concerned that uh, you know it's a this woman who is amazing and spends a lot of time going and speaking at conferences and doing all of that side of things but it wasn't kind of being recognized so much on the progression framework that they have because I was like well I've you know, there's an excellent talk about being glue which I think has been shared on the makers slack and I as soon as I got that as soon as I read it, I shared it with my manager. I was like, hey, like this is basically me. What is that, sorry? It's this article. So it was a talk that was given and it's about all the jobs um, that can sometimes be, you know, often picked up by women that are non-technical jobs. So it might be hosted, you know, leading a meeting and then sharing the notes at the end. Or And she calls it kind of glue work. So it's like cohesive, bringing the team together and making sure that they're empowered. So it's similar to like what I do as a scrum master. And uh, she was saying that if that's not going to be recognized by your employer, then just stop doing it, basically. So if you enjoy it and you know that it's going to help contribute to your career and moving you up the ladder, then absolutely fine. But if you're doing it and then, you know, you're not spending so much time coding as a result, and then that means you're not going to get a promotion, then just stop and see how far the team gets about it. And it will become quite... Um, apparent I think for the team when you stop doing it mm. that's a really interesting point I will what I'll do is I'll find that article and uh, talk if there is one online as well and I will put that into the notes of the podcast mm. so yes if you, yeah if you're listening and that sounds like it's uh, something that you'd be curious about then um, I'll, I'll pop that in the, the notes afterwards um, you've had a very interesting uh, career and you know I'll dare to say it, life, <laughs> in that you, you've gone a very non-traditional educational route. Um, you've uh, tried lots of different um, aspects or uh, different careers or different jobs in, in completely different worlds, whether it be working in bars or whether it be working in interactive media um, and now into full, full software developer and, 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 and then since then into some developer, developer advocacy and uh, Scrum um, You've, you're a bit of a testament to people being able to really move from something completely unrelated into a successful software development path. And I think that a lot of people feel overwhelmed uh, by the amount of information that they will need to either take in or to learn um, in order to be a software developer. And then everything that comes after it to be able to move up um, that career uh, rank. And if you were speaking to one of those people um, and uh, with your own experience in mind, what what advice would you give them? Just like, well, don't worry about it. But <laughs> honestly, I think, you know, it is, it is a daunting prospect, um, but the opportunities are so huge and you're in such demand, like, if you can get some basic skills under your belt, 
then people are willing to train you up and invest time in you because um, there aren't enough developers. And also it's just, from my experience, been an incredibly welcoming and supportive community. Like people are, you know, you can go to a meetup and say, oh, I'm struggling with this and you'll get, you know, so much advice. Um, so, yeah, just, I think I'd suggest going to, you know, dipping your toe in like I did, go to Code Bar, go to Rails Girls, go to a two-day boot camp, see if you're into it, start tapping into the, um, into the, into the events and communities that are happening around wherever you live, like in London, where we are. There's so much, you could literally go and eat free pizza every night for the rest of your life if you chose to, um, and yeah, give it a go. Online resources coming out of your ears, like there's no shortage. Um, and uh, yeah. There also might be people who are in that situation where they're considering doing something completely different, like going into software development, but they've also got another option where they might step sideways in their current career or try something that they're more familiar with that feels a bit more safe. Um, is there any advice that you'd uh, give them or, or anything that you'd like to, to say to somebody in that situation? I think just weigh it up. Like, I don't, I don't think I would sit here and say that software development is like for everybody. Like, it was, it's not been an easy route. And I think, you know, there is, a, although you can do it, for, you know, all the people that I've met through makers have had such different backgrounds and they're all having incredibly successful careers and doing really well and loving it but it's like I'm sure there are other people where it didn't work out as well and it is hard work I think you know although it is something you can transition into without a degree it still takes a lot of work and it is you know it's a continued career and you kind of be up you've got to be up for that (laughs) I kind of say it with a word of word of warning that you know once you're in there if you enjoy it then you will have opportunities for days like the you know the these last two job moves it was it was the you know it's the first I think both of them were the only job like the first one wasn't even really looking for a job I just saw I just saw a post on a on an online forum and I was like oh hey you know tapped in next thing I know you've got a job offer and you're like oh okay and then again with this one you know the the opportunities are huge I just put my CV on a uh, on a like I don't know one of those online recruitment platforms there's so many and you just get offers and you're like oh, okay like okay oh, you sound nice I like the product and you know like I, I was quite drawn to the fact it was a female focused product you know next thing you know again you know go through the obviously as a interview process which isn't necessarily <laughs> straightforward tech test and da, da 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 but you know you do all right and you get a job and you're like oh okay that was it's pretty, pretty straightforward and you know the, the the curve in terms of um like salary opportunities like tech as an industry that is just there's the place to be if you're looking to work somewhere where you know that just endless opportunities there's money um <laughs> it's exciting it's a good it's a good place but it's also you know like i was saying earlier supportive and uh yeah you mentioned that you do a lot of developer advocacy. You talk um, at different events you're involved in, uh, Elrog. Um, is there anywhere that um, I can help you promote yourself um, in in this sense? Is there anyone, anywhere that people can go to hear more from you? Twitter. Twitter. What's your yeah, Twitter Ella handle? Nancy Faye. Yeah. And is, is that as spelled as people would yeah, expect? Yeah, or... E-L-L-A-N-A-N-C-Y. 
Ella Nancy yeah F-A-Y F-A-Y alright so check out Ella at Ella Nancy Faye uh, on Twitter and uh, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast I appreciate your time I think you've got an interesting background and probably something that most people will be able to relate to in, in some way or other um, you've had a fantastic career so far and uh, best of luck in the future thanks <laughs>